Well, we are dead center in a seven-part sermon series entitled Creating a Life That Matters. We're using that as our theme this year. I'm sure you're going to get sick and tired of it by December, (laughs) but creating a life that matters to create a church that matters. I'm going to give you just a little recap. Dwayne started off this series on week one talking to us about our identity. Creating a life that matters can only begin when we truly understand and have a deep acceptance of our belovedness. It was Baptism Sunday, and many of you might have participated in that sacred sacrament. And as we rise from the waters, we can identify with Christ in our baptism as we hear God's voice say to us, you matter, because we are all beloved children of God. The next week, Duane took us into another part of creating a life that matters. He talked to us about our unique giftedness. You matter, and you're gifted. And we are to discover those and utilize those in creating a life that matters. And then last week, we heard that you matter so much that God puts a community of faith around you. Opposites attract, as we heard in Mabel and Laverne's story, but God brings us together with all of our differences and opposite tastes and creates the body of Christ. So you matter and we matter. Well, today we're going to shift gears a little bit, and we're going to see that we can create lives that matter, and we're going to talk about relationships. I think all of you would agree with me that we're very relational beings. When we're born, we are born into a web of multiple relationships that just grows and grows as we, as we grow and grow. We are definitely in a social process. And in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul shifts and begins to tell us about the more excellent way. And it's all about love. Talks to us about how love should be the root of our relationships. Loving one another helps us to stay engaged in the we part of the matter. Helps us to bear with one another. We can build one another up, stay with one another, forms the basis of our life together. But we need to do this in maturity. We have to put away our childish things and become grown adults. In 1 Corinthians, he says, when we were children, we thought and reasoned as children do. Yet when we grew up, we quit our childish ways. Now all we can see of God is like a cloudy picture in a mirror, but later we will see God face to face. God created us in love, and we're beloved children, but we're also created to grow and expand and evolve. And God is not a course of God. God gives us the ability to self-create, but we have to put away our childish things to do so and mature. I believe we can recognize this move from a childlike existence when we move from being care receivers and become care givers. So we're going to move from you matter we matter, to they matter, outside of our walls. Wednesday night, Jason Wood, he's one of our clergy students, he preached um, his debut sermon here at Resurrection. Now, he's a pastor's kid, so I'm sure he's been preaching all of his life. And uh, I came Wednesday to support him and to steal, I mean, borrow some of his material. (laughs) Actually, he uh, was in 1 Corinthians 12, and he was still talking about the giftedness, but he talked about this maturity process, and he gave it a name. He called it sanctification. You might recognize that. It's a biblical process of this maturity. He used the story of Peter 
to bring home this point, and I love this story. Peter is the rock upon which the church was to be built. And he showed in the story of Peter how God allows us to work out our faith and even make mistakes as we mature in our faith, when we see how God fully knows us and loves us, we can then use that knowledge to serve others and become caregivers. This is found in the Gospel of John. Jesus is telling his disciples um, that he's going to be suffering and, and given over to death. And he also lets them know that they would all abandon them, abandon him. And of course, Peter, as only Peter could do, said, Not me, Lord. not I. All of them may run, but even unto death, I will not abandon you. And of course, Jesus says, Peter, Peter, precious Peter, you will abandon me. You will indeed deny me three times before the cock crows twice. And sure enough, Peter was hanging out at the campfire later on with all the townspeople, waiting to hear how the trial of Jesus would go. And somebody recognized him and began to... uh, call him as one of Jesus' companions. Out of fear, Peter not only denied Jesus, but he cursed his very name. And yes, he did it three times before morning. But the story continues. After his resurrection, Jesus made a special visit to both the disciples and to Peter. They had been fishing all night long. They were out in the boat. Jesus comes to the shore and he builds a campfire and he hollers out, drop the net one more time. And they do. And they get a giant catch. And Peter recognizes immediately that must be Jesus on that shoreline. So he jumps out of the boat, swims to shore, and finds Jesus there at the campfire, a place very hauntingly familiar to a place of recent failure for him. And Jesus asked him three times, Peter, do you love me? Peter gets pretty frustrated that he has to answer this question three times. But he does persist, and he says, Lord, you know me, and you know that I love you. So gently and so simply, Jesus says, feed my sheep. Our lives and our identity, our giftedness and our community of faith, they must mature into loving relationships. You matter, we matter. They must matter. All of God's people matter. In 1 Corinthians And another, this is the first verse through three, it says, What if I could speak all the languages of humans and angels? If I did not love others, I would be nothing more than a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. What if I could prophesy and understand all secrets and all knowledge? What if I had faith to move mountains? I would be nothing unless I loved others. What if I gave my very life and let myself be burned alive. I would gain nothing unless I loved others. We create lives that matter when we found them and root them in our relationships in love. But as we mature and grow, God will work with us to bring good into the world. Romans 8.28 tells us, We know that in everything God works for the good with those who love God. Now, this isn't a guarantee that good will always happen, but it is a guarantee about the character of God. God works for the good. Where? Everywhere. God is always working to bring about good. Especially, God works with those who are working and answering to the divine call. 
I mean, do you hear that? That the call is for cooperation. We are to work with God in the world. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. They matter. Creating lives that matter is a cooperative effort between you, between I and God. And the good news is, God is our great companion. Jesus' life reveals a God who is our fellow sufferer, one who understands and shares our every experience. In a book entitled Night by Eli Weisel, he accounts for his experience in a concentration camp. He describes the death of a young boy. When this boy was hung on the gallows, unfortunately he was too light for the rope to do its usual job. So rather than die quickly, he lingered on and he gasped for breath and he hung at the end of the rope, suffocating very slowly. One of the prisoners who was forced to watch this said, Where is God now? To which another one of the prisoners replied, He's there. He's hanging on that rope. Now probably what this prisoner meant was that his faith in God was dying with the boy. But I would like us to relook at those words and have a different meaning. God is at the end of that rope. That means God is sharing in the suffering of the boy. God is sharing in the suffering of the prisoners. God is even sharing the experience of those guards and grieving over the loss of their humanity, the loss of their capacity to love and have compassion. This image of God I also borrowed from another reverend, Carter Hayward. She was using it when she was considering the evasive answer God gave to Moses when he said, Who are you? And God says, I am, or I will be what I will be. Hayward is suggesting that God's nature is too dynamic and too pervasive to be captured in a single word or a single name. God will appear in the most peculiar places. And God is calling us to see the world in a fresh vision. God wants us to see God in God's people. Hear Reverend Hayward. God will hang on the gallows. God will inspire, fill, and overwhelm Handel with power and splendor. God will be battered as a wife, a child, a nigger, a faggot. God will judge with righteousness, justice, mercy, those who batter, burn, sneer, discriminate, or harbor prejudice. God will have a mastectomy. God will experience the wonder of giving birth. God will be handicapped. God will run the marathon. God will win. God will lose. God will be down and out, suffering and dying. God will be bursting free, coming to life, for God will be who God will be. God is you. God is me. God is in all of the people. And God is not beyond or aloof from us. God shares in all of our experience the joy and the sorrow. And because God suffers with us, I challenge you to hear that God is calling us to break through the status quo. God cannot be satisfied with a world where there's still people being victimized or oppressed or exploited. And we are not to settle either because God is one of the victims.
feed my sheep, care for me by creating lives that matter. Participate in my love. Step out of your comfort zones and live lives that are both directed and driven by your compassion and your love for others. People matter to God. They should matter to us. 1 Corinthians 13 again. Love never fails. Everyone who prophesies will stop and unknown languages will no longer be spoken. All that we will know will not be forgotten. We don't know everything and our prophecies are not complete. But what is perfect will someday appear and what isn't perfect will then disappear. Hmm. Our gifts will eventually fall away, but love always remains. So our eternal defining mark is to mature in love. It's the only legacy that remains. And as we grow and mature, we need to be ready because that means a new self will continue to evolve. A self can only grow when it lets go of the fixation of the way it was. Or to say it another way, we can't grow without changing. And this is a hard lesson. It means that in our maturity process or this sanctification process, there must be some surrender of our present satisfactions. We must drop our defenses and our securities and open ourselves up to a new demand. Now, the past is not rejected in this process. The past is what informs us. It's what defines us and helps us push through. And God will use all of our past to inform us in our ministry and our future. But no past is sufficient for the new present. And no past of the self will go unaltered through this process. Now this may seem like common sense, but it is the source of a very desperate struggle each one of us face daily. Change means risk, and risk is painful. Most of us are willing to grow if we can hold on to our security, but this can never be absolutely known. We find ourselves over and over trying to save our life by preserving it. Jesus simply says, Trust me, surrender your life. By being willing to lose it, you will save it. We all want guarantees, but what we have is a journey, an adventure. It's a social process. God promises, though, to share that life with us and to work with us for the good of all. And this promise, though, is also a call. The world is not the way God wants it to be. Just social structures do not reflect God's vision for us. Poverty and hunger, violence, these are not trials intentionally put into our path to educate us. No, they are evils against which God is struggling and is inviting us to struggle as well. And we can do this boldly because love never fails. Stepping into the unknown, God will catch us. Because listen to this the definition of a godlike love. Love is kind and patient, never jealous, boastful, proud or rude. Love isn't selfish or quick-tempered. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs that others do. Love rejoices in the truth, but not evil. Love is always supportive, loyal, hopeful, and trusting. We can look at this definition of love and see God's promise. That if we can step out into a love and mature in our faith and grow and take risk, 
Jesus will always return us to the campfire and use exactly what we've learned to inform us to feed the sheep. God keeps no records of wrong. But God is not going to override our freedom. Remember, God is awaiting our free response. But with infinite patience, God seeks to create with us the best of all of our choices. And if we can love in this way, we'll join God in the fight of good and evil and become co-creators of lives that matter. Remember, resurrection, there's a great catch beyond these walls awaiting for us. If we can step out and create these lives that matter, build those relationships and love, stay engaged in this process with one another. The best is yet to come in the unwritten pages of our lives. That reminds me of a song that I heard. I actually heard it on Dick Clark's um, New Year's Eve party. (laughs) Um, Anyway, it's a song entitled Unwritten by Natasha Bedingfield. Listen to a few lines. It says, Staring at the blank page before you, open up the dirty window. Let the sun illuminate the words that you could not find. Reaching for something in the distance so close you can almost taste it. Release your inhibitions. Feel the rain on your skin. No one else can feel it for you. No one else can speak the words on your lips. Drench yourself in words unspoken, your words unspoken. Today is where your book begins. The rest is still unwritten. God struggles for us to see through this dark glass that obscures our vision, our own fears, but promises to be a steadfast, loving God who will travel with us, risk with us, and grow with us. I'm hoping this song will stick in your head if nothing else will. So I'm going to let... Um, Dave, play a little bit of it, and when you hear it, you can be challenged to create a life that matters in loving relationships. Amen.